Hey y'all, welcome to the Roots of Change podcast. I'm Sam Chavez, founder of the Roots of Change Agency and Curious Human. Here, we connect with people who are boldly creating change in today's social, political, tech, and media landscapes. We also have a newsletter where we get to the roots of how to cultivate social change. Find us and subscribe at rootschangemedia.com. Thanks for joining us. Let's get into it. Hey, y'all, this is Sam Chavez with the Roots of Change podcast, and we are back with uh, Sharon Hurley Hall, and we are talking about white supremacy and how we as individuals can push back and be the anti-racist activists um, in this current world. And so I brought um, Sharon onto the podcast. Last week, we talked about her organization, Mission Equality. Um, and this week, I want to talk about her book, um, I'm Tired of Racism. This month, uh, for the month of February, she is releasing her audiobook for that book. Um, so we'll include all of that in the show notes, but I'm just very excited to have you on the show, Sharon. How's it going? Oh, thanks a lot, Sam. Thanks for having me back. It's going really well. Uh, I'm excited about, about the book. Uh, for those who didn't tune in last time, I'll reintroduce myself. <laughs> I am uh, the co-founder of Mission Equality, a company focused on creating equality using education as an agent of change. The author of I'm Tired of Racism, the founder of Sharon's Anti-Racism Newsletter, a former journalist and freelancer, and an educator. <laughs> She checks off many boxes, um, and that is why you're here, because you just have such an amazing perspective on the world um, and technology and communication and how we move the world forward. Um, and right now we're in a very, you know, obviously precarious space. Um, I could say that at any point in the last 10 years, um, but... Uh, you know, as we are speaking in February last month, we saw the resignation of Claudine Gay, um, and we're seeing just a much larger backlash to DEI efforts. Um, it's being villainized in academics, in politics, finance, the media, pretty much all of the places where white supremacy still ha hold that immense power. Um, and, you know, we also have the elephant in the room of the Israel-Palestine um, things happening there and the genocide in Palestine perpetrated by the Israeli government. Um, so I'm just curious, this is obviously a very big question, but um, what is your reaction to this moment in DEI and how can we as anti-racist and heart-first humans move through this moment? Yeah, okay, that is a huge question, Sam. <laughs> As anti-racist, we have to fight oppression where we see it. I think that's foundational, right? You can't be you can't be anti-racist and see other people being oppressed and not feel something and not want to say something if that's how your activism happens or write something or have conversations with the people in your circles. However, you choose to tackle oppression. You can't ignore this moment and what is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't ignore the fact that tens of thousands of people have been 
murdered, <laughs> really, in yeah. Palestine. You can't ignore the genocide that is happening in other countries, in the Congo, in the Sudan, in many other places around the world. You can't ignore the rise of far-right rhetoric in many countries, right? You can't ignore any of that. Uh, what we choose to do about it, I suppose, depends on how our activism happens. You know, for me, you know, I'm I'm a writer. I have an anti-racism newsletter. So I write about it. I will post about it on social media. In certain instances, you know, where there are situations where I don't know a lot, I part of my role is to highlight the voices of the people who do. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to be the loudest voice in the room on every issue. You just don't. Mm -hmm. you don't you you know sometimes what you can do is recognize when you don't know enough and push forward the people who do know enough and make sure that they get out to a wider audience yeah right I think that's especially important in our tech landscape because of the incentives of social media are be the loudest voice in the room you know everyone wants to become famous um and <laughs> And that's just not the the values of the anti-racist movement. Um, so much of it is disconnecting from that individualism and being that conduit for truth and justice. Um, so I think that's another piece is like recognizing when we are being pulled by those algorithms to be more vitriolic than we normally would be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We have to hold fast to what we know in our core to be true mm. and what our values are and how we live those values. And, you know, I'm not here to tell anybody what that should be for them. Right. You know, everybody has to know what that is for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if you know, you know what your values are and you know how you express those values and you know when your voice is most needed or when it is your time to help others to shine and you have to make that decision, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the, where we are now too is um, very rooted in identity. Um, rightfully so in many cases, you know, we, there are so many marginalized folks across the globe who have been hurt by colonialism, white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism. Um, that feels Can I stop you there? Yeah. Because, because we've all been hurt by it. Thank you. No matter what our identity is. Yeah. You know, white supremacy is the water, not the shark. That is not by quote. It was um, by a, someone called Guante in, in one of his songs. It has always resonated with me. And it's something that I've used a lot in, in all the anti-racism training and some of my, some of my writing. You know, this idea that it's not only the people who have been deliberately disadvantaged that are hurt by it. Mm -hmm. Because in disadvantaging those people, you also make it harder for other people to thrive. Right. Yeah, yeah I I so appreciate that clarification because that is like where I, I was going is like in a world where identity is still important, how do we move towards more of that collectivism while still holding on to our identity. 
it's a, it's a really it's a really difficult thing because in a lot of cases those identities have helped us to survive trauma and oppression to build community to build solidarity and yet that's not all there is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because we you know we're human beings who are 99.5% similar under the skin yeah and the fact that you know skin color or you know, and many other issues, but, you know, let's in this case, because we're talking about anti-racism, let's talk about skin color is used to divide us, is 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 such a, such a crying shame, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I suppose everybody has to, to answer this question for themselves as well. But, you know, when I think about who my people are, it's not necessarily about skin color. Mm-hmm. It is also about... Who are the people that have seen the state of the world and want to make it better, right? Who are the people who are fighting for change? Who are the people who are anti-capitalist? Who are the people who are anti-oppression? You know, and skin color is not the thing that decides who those people are. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I... I appreciate that because I know like mission equalities, your theory of change is really similar to the roots of change is uh, our agency's um, theory of change, where we recognize that the current systems like capitalism are not working for us um, as a society. And we are working towards a new way of being that we haven't really experienced. Um, I think for a lot of people, that sounds really daunting because there's just this future that is unknown. Um, how can people feel better about that shift? And like, how can they feel better about, frankly, joining this movement of anti-racism? But I think as human beings, we've always dealt with the unknown. We've always envisioned possibilities. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those possibilities have not worked out well for some of us on the planet, <laughs> right? <laughs> But but still, we have that ability within us to work towards things that we can't quite envision yet. Mm. We know we want to get to this world where we can all thrive, where we have equality. And we know that we can make small changes in the way that we show up in our everyday lives to, to be more aware, to, to understand and to, and to see what is actually happening, what the experiences that people are happening and to do our bit to make changes in the circles where we have influence. So with, with, with the newsletter, with the book, one of the things I do is I share some of those stories. Because I, I, was, um, I visited England uh, in summer 2023. And, you know, one of my, one of my relatives, who's white, um, read the book and said, we just have no idea about the experience that black people are having, do we? <laughs> right? Yeah. And sometimes it's about piercing that veil of unawareness, mm. right? Letting people see what is actually going on. And for me, because I, you know, I, I'm a I'm a, a global citizen currently resident in Barbados. I was born in England and I grew up in the Caribbean and I visited the States many times. I have family in the States. So I tend to talk about these things from a from a more global perspective, you know, bringing together where I can 
the commonalities mm. in how racism shows up in the US, in the UK, in, in post-colonial contexts like in Barbados, you know, and 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 to and to bring those things together and so that we can see it's the same, it's the same thing. White supremacy is the water. And we are swimming in it in lots of different countries, even in countries where the majority of the population look like me, because of the history of colonialism, settler colonialism, right? Uh, and, and you know, sometimes we don't see that. We're very blinkered. We're very focused on what's happening in our area. And we don't realize it's all part of the same malign project, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, and, and, and it's a playbook. It's a playbook. It's a playbook that is used in different places. When you look, for example, at the, the situation in Canada with the Indigenous children, that were that have been found, and but how and you talk, think about how they were treated? That is the same way that indigenous people were treated in Australia and in New Zealand. There are similarities with how enslaved and formerly enslaved people were treated in the Caribbean. You know, there are similarities with how other European powers treated the people that they were oppressing in the countries where where that they had colonized. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's. It's almost it's one playbook. Yeah. It's one playbook. Sometimes it shows up in slightly different ways. But you know, the oppression and the the attitudes that are at the root of it are all the same. And you know, part of what we do as anti-racists is to say, hey, we see it. Yes. We yes. see it. We see the experiences that are happening. We see how this is playing out. And now we're gonna do our our best to interrupt it, to get in the way of it, to stop it from happening where we are. Yeah. You know. yeah, and I, I think I think that view can be daunting for some people because you're like, oh my gosh, it is this global system. There is so much. And what I feel is a lot of hope with that because it is the same playbook. Like we understand what we're working with mm -hmm. and we can build that momentum away from it. Um, and and that there is that we do have that agency too. We do. And, and you know, it's it, it's a choice. One of the things that I have done and we have done at Mission Equality is work with people who want to learn more, want to do better. And, you know, my focus has always been on it's not just about the reading and the learning. It's about the action. What are you doing in the spheres where you have some agency? How are you making sure that you are creating opportunities for people who have been deliberately disadvantaged? How are you supporting them? How are you making sure their voices are heard? How are you opening doors to get them into the right rooms? These are all things that we as individuals can do. That doesn't, you know, that's without even tackling systemic things like changing laws, changing rules um, in, your, in your organization that inadvertently discriminate against people um, who are of a certain religion or a certain persuasion or a certain skin color or a certain hair type or whatever, you know, these are things that we can do. We can choose to do. We can choose to tackle. Yeah. You know? And I think to your point too, the ripple effect is really big. Um, mm -hmm. There, yeah, there, there, it feels like we're not making as much progress as we are, but the fact that we are even having this conversation is progress. The fact that 
more people are listening and talking about it across all of their communication, like that is the change and it is already happening. Um, and I think that's another piece um, when you were talking was, I, I think a lot of people are feeling hopeless in this moment. You know, we did the protests in 2020 and, and things have kind of gotten worse seemingly on the surface. Um, but I see that as the hope because with the disruption means that we are saying the things and we are speaking out in ways that we haven't before. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes it's discouraging. The, the, the backlash, the pushback can be discouraging, but at the same time, it also means that we have been heard that people are getting worried about you know, their little comfortable status quo being disrupted because people are making so much noise about it. So sometimes we have to remember that as well. And, you know, and take that as encouragement to keep pushing, to keep talking. And, and also to recognize that this is a, this is a major effort with a lot of us talking about this all around the globe. And, you know, if you feel tired today, you know, somebody else is gonna be able to, to, to pick up the slack, right? You know, Sam and Sharon don't have to do everything. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. You know, Sam might be doing something today and tomorrow Sam rests and Sharon does something and somebody else does something. And, you know, or as, as a collective, we're keeping the momentum up. We're keeping those things in the public eye. We're keeping the conversation going. We're doing what we can in whatever way to make sure that we are to make sure that we are creating change, creating opportunities for change for, you know, we're doing what we can. We're doing what we can and doing what we can is better than doing nothing. Yes, right? and it feels better. It feels, it feels better. better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was because of this global perspective. Like a lot of um, people on my newsletter are based in the United States and um, we have a, a tendency to, think about the world very focused on on our country, um, but there's so much out there that is happening, that is moving, that we just don't see because of what is being obscured through media and other pieces. So like, I guess like, how do you see that like global collective um, working, especially this year in 2024, when we have the United States election, but we also have the biggest global election year in history? Mm -hmm. I believe that some of the people whose eyes have been opened will never be able to go to sleep again, <laughs> right? And those people are still paying attention and those people are still talking. You know, yes, it is true to say that, you know, there are people that seized the moment or paired to seize the moment in 2020 who have gone quiet. But there are also people who seized the moment who have never shut up. <laughs> who have gone on to build things and do things and and create you know create education to who are who are you know recording tiktoks who are writing letters who are you know publishing columns who are out there marching people are you know there are people that have kept the momentum up and i think that those people are paying attention close attention to what is happening globally and they are doing what they can where they are. Um, 
which is really all that anybody can do. And, you know, the fact is that we do have, even though we don't, we're not always aware of it, we do have a global community. If you think about the people that are in your network, they're all over the world, right, talking about these issues. I mean, in my newsletter, you know, yes, the majority of the readers are American, but, you know, there are people from England, from France, from across Europe, from the Caribbean, from African countries, There, you know, from... South America, you know, and all of them blend their perspectives to what is to, to what is going on. So it it allows us to to have that awareness of the the commonalities that we all face, hmm. right? Yeah. And then and then we go from there and say, okay, well, what do we need to do in our area? You know, who do we? You know, how do we? How do we keep the momentum up? How do we? How do we agitate? How do we make good trouble? Yeah, Where we are right, and so that's what that that's what we have to do. For me, I mean, I you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm based in Barbados, and so one of the things that I do is I use my newsletter to highlight the people who are active, who are you know, who are making change, to highlight the people who are founding businesses to redress inequities and also to share that perspective on different issues mm. as they come up you know yeah yeah you know, and that's part of what the book is you know the book kind of came out of you know one of one of my contacts said you know yeah I love the newsletter but I'd like something that I could take away and sit with mm. so that's how the book kind of came about and you know that is as a way for people to say, okay, here's some insight into how these things happen. And, you know, interestingly, because a lot of the stories I tell about my, uh, about my experiences uh, living and working in the UK and in France and occasionally visiting the US, but everybody, I mean, people from all over the world have said, oh, yes, I relate to this. I had this experience in Brazil. I yeah. had this experience that you had in the UK, I had in my office in the, you know, in the US, this thing that you had in France, I had in wherever, you know, it's global. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, the way that racism works, and, you know, the way that anti-blackness works, the way that discrimination works, it's all part of one playbook. Yeah. Yeah, it I it's like taking the global perspective to the local and to the micro because yeah. we can we can see the global perspective and we can see the commonalities and the biggest impact that we can make in most cases is at that local level. Yeah. Um, and I I see a lot of hope there too. I mean, in the United States like to get into electoral politics for a second, like there are a lot of local progressive um, governments that are passing real reform. Like you look at the Michigan legislature and they've passed, they've protected abortion. They have passed um, union, like pro-union laws. So, so a lot of this is happening on the local level. It's just being obscured because we have this massive global infrastructure that wants to keep talking about the system that we're currently in. Um, I guess the to start wrapping up the conversation, I want to talk a little bit about communications um, because your bread and butter comes from like education, marketing. Um, how do we communicate in this moment when we do have those 
global actors that are sowing, sowing doubt. Just, we just, we just keep talking. Yeah. We keep, we keep speaking out. We use all the channels that we have at our disposal. We keep building connection and community with each other to, to take some strength from that. You know, we, we move to collective action in the areas where we can do that. And we keep, you know, the same, the tools that are out there are tools we can all use, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, we have to, we have to commit, we have to commit to, to taking action where we can to keep on, we have to commit to continuing to talk about the things that matter. We have to commit to pushing perspectives that counter the, the, the capitalist and extractivist narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to do all of that and we have to do it consistently, yeah. you know. But we, but you know, we have, we, there, there are lots of us doing it. So yeah. it's not that we have to keep doing it till we exhaust ourselves and we're running on fumes, but we have to do it enough so that we are fulfilling our purpose and living our mission and doing what we know we have to do as individuals to be part of this collective moment. Yeah. I love that. I think we can end there. And um, I do want to just uh, give you the opportunity to share like how people can get in touch with you and also where they can find um, your book, both in audiobook and physical form. Right. Well, you can find all the places where my book is available on uh, bookstoread.com, Tired of Racism. It's, it's on Amazon, but that also gives you access to other platforms. Uh, my website is SharonH.com. Uh, my newsletter is antiracismnewsletter.com. And of course, you can also connect with me via missionequality.com. So lots of places. And I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> and... Do not hesitate to uh, subscribe to Sharon's newsletter. I love reading it every single week. Um, yeah, I just, I wanna thank you for taking the time uh, to talk with me um, because it is important that we, you know, build this momentum together and we we talk about these things. So I'm just appreciative of, of that. Thank you, Sam. It's, you know, thanks for inviting me. It's really been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Well, I look forward to many more, um, both offline and online. Um, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining. Um, we will have everything in the show notes. So if you want to follow Sharon, um, subscribe to her newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to the Roots of Change newsletter, you can do so in the show notes as well. And we will be back again with another organization as, or social change communicator who is doing really amazing work in the space and continuing to move us towards that positive social change. So thanks everyone for listening. And that's a wrap on this week's The Roots of Change podcast. This episode was produced by the Roots of Change Agency and Did You Know? Production and outreach support by Britt Holmes and Brian Wolf. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are a 100% listener-supported newsletter and podcast. 
If you like what you heard, consider giving us a follow, subscribing to our newsletter, or donating to support our work. The Roots of Change Agency was founded to support organizations, campaigns, and activists to avoid burnout and tell empathetic stories to cultivate connections that empower social change. Until next time.